Hello everybody, my name is Kendra Nalwega Booker. I am super excited to be in this episode of Trip Life today. So thank you so much, Pete, for this awesome opportunity. Um, I look forward to sharing a little bit of my background. I'm an African immigrant who speaks multiple languages from Uganda, Rwanda, and just pretty much the um, East African area. So I'm very excited to talk about that and my interests that um, inspired me to study linguistics as an undergraduate. Right now, I'm currently working on my doctorate in curriculum and instruction, and I have two concentrations, language and literacy and technology. So I'm very interested in um, doing work in the future with education, technology and language. Um, but for now, I'm super excited to be on this podcast and feel free to follow me on social media. I'm Afrikendra08 on Twitter and Instagram, and it's just Kendra on Facebook, Kendra Booker. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kendra, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. Hey, Pete. Hey, Kendra. I just want to say thank you for joining us on this very special episode of Trep Life. Uh, I think we're going to produce a classic for the people. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This is such an awesome opportunity. I haven't had um, an opportunity like this at all to talk about my story or share anything. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Well, We'll just get right into it, Kendra. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us, can you just give us a brief introduction, say your name, um, and then kind of go into your background? For sure. Um, so my name is Kendra Nalavega Booker. I am from Eastern Africa. My mother is Rwandan, my dad's Ugandan, so I've kind of grown up pretty close to both nations, um, speaking the languages from both countries. Um, so in Rwanda, we speak Kinyarwanda. So I grew up speaking that. And in Uganda, we have over 50 languages, like five, zero, not 15, but 50. <laughs> so it's a lot of languages. So I speak a couple, but my main one is Luganda. So um, given that background, uh, we moved here in 2010. And I've just, I grew to love languages because when I got here and learned that um, these language programs or these things that you can pursue and, and kind of, um, I guess, piggyback off of your background. I was very interested in going into language. So academically, that's where I followed and I got my bachelor's in linguistics. So I graduated from Harper College with an associate's. I got my bachelor's at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And then I was able to move on for, to my master's degree, which I did in curriculum and instruction. So that was about, I think, 2017, I completed that, and my concentration was language and literacy. Like, you know, I love languages. Um, And then right now I'm working on my PhD program, still working on curriculum and instruction, but I added a little twist to it and concentrated on education technology right now. So just a lot going on right now. (laughs) Always a lot going on. You're a fascinating person. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. But, okay, so... Mm-hmm. we're going to stay with linguistics for a good portion of this conversation because you're one of the few rare people um, that is like perfecting their craft at being a linguist. So for sure. Um, you know what? I actually, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we had Amra on the podcast, I think this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. I love Amra. She's amazing. <laughs> and so I think that's actually how we met, right? Through Amra? Yeah, we met through her. Yeah, that's right. I think at our birthday party or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. 
she is amazing at connecting people and just connecting to the world. And I know she, I think she did anthropology and linguistics at some point. So we, yes, we so definitely talked a lot about that. <laughs> that is, so she touched on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a comp, you know, someone had a dialogue on that and the tra- how, you know, things can be lost in translation with language. And, mm-hmm. um, but the question that I have for you, cause there was, you know, a lot of different avenues that we can go with just your background. We will touch on those. But um, first question I'm throwing out is, how does linguistics relate to culture? Well, that's a very good question. I believe that linguistics definitely um, relates to culture in various ways, because I grew up understanding that and even learning through research that language and culture go hand in hand. And linguistics is just the whole understanding of how language works. And it's not just about different languages, but how do humans learn how to speak? What are the, like, some of the most important things that you need to have in order to even be able to communicate? Because we know there are some people who aren't able to communicate or who have issues or, you know, communicating or might have even some other obstacles that they have through communication. Um, So with culture, I would say that, especially for a continent where I'm from, that's very diverse, you get to see that very much in the words that they use. So if you don't have a certain word in your culture, it's because you don't have a certain object to represent that word. So basically, the language that you create in your own community is so representative of the people that you are, that when you travel outside of that culture, or even immerse yourself in a different culture, you get to see that difference. Um, And I've seen it firsthand as an immigrant um, coming here and speaking my home languages and not having certain words for, you know, for certain things that I saw here in the U.S. And I'm like, well, we don't have this in my language. So I think when we break linguistics down to just language, um, I think it's what you create in your community that represent your language and culture. And that's how they go hand in hand. I love that answer. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so. It's a little kind of like segue follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does slang evolve? How do you think language evolves? Well, slang. Slang? Oh, how does slang <laughs> become evolves. intrinsic in language? That is so good. You have a lot of amazing questions so far. I think, um, well, for slang itself, I think it, it's definitely created through like smaller communities within a a bigger community so for example if we talk about here in the U.S. and Ebonics is not slang I would just like to shoot that out there because I know a lot of people sometimes call it slang it's not because you know going into linguistics they used to refer to that as an example of slang and I'm like no it's a it's a language has a system and it works and research supports that but I think it grows through like generational changes and sometimes slang relates to what's currently happening in our either culture, in our nation, and just wherever we are as a people, and evolves by changing, like changes happen, let's say a new group of people come in, or a new product is introduced in the community, there's, like trade has been around for such a long time, so there's a new product, or people want to call it a different name, Um, and then sometimes I think it's also between, like those small groups can be age limitations uh, to them, so I think younger generations might have slang that, you know, they don't want the older generations to be connected within their 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 own little culture or what they have going on so they will create these words to kind of have that for themselves Uh, but I also think it's not just that you can think of like gaming 
gaming is such a huge phenomenon. So people in that small community might have their own language to communicate and operate. So I think it changes from the activities that you're doing, from the people you have around you. And I also think just as a people, we're always changing and evolving and changing language. And I've also seen some slang become actual words like used in like professional settings. So I think slang is um, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon, but it does change because of culture and I think generation and a lot of other factors that affect it. Okay, so staying with the theme of evolution, mm-hmm. okay, with language, it's always evolving. So is it like evolving where it's spreading into subsets or is mm-hmm. it evolving in like a some sort of uniform way where it's still within one system um i think both are possible um i think both are possible and uh drawing back from some of the linguistics courses i took we even talked about like nature being like a barrier for language changing or stopping somewhere and something new developing for example if you look at mountains or forests or you know things that became that can be like a huge a huge distance or a huge barrier for people to move from one place to another. Um, if you think of people who've been maybe isolated in some communities where it's just surrounded by trees or people who are in communities where it's um, there's a, a huge mountain and then they can't cross over the other mountain, over time, the people on one side will have a certain way that they function with their language and this other side will have a certain way that they function. So over time, language is going to change because there's either that barrier that people aren't you know, exchanging, uh, exchanging words or exchanging um, any other activities that they have going on. So it's really hard for um, language to stay the same when you have a lot of barriers or when you have just even one barrier over time, it changes. Um, And I don't think it's in one linear way that it does change. But like I said, sometimes change happens fast. And I think we're in that kind of time right now where words are coming up really fast, like new words. And they're becoming a part of our everyday um, kind of life. And we don't even notice it after a while. It's just like a word. So I'd say it's not a linear, um, like it's not one specific way, but both ways are possible. Um, okay. So uh, these responses are fantastic, by the way. So we're going to keep them coming. <laughs> Thank um, you. Okay. So... In line with that, if I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Okay, so if I'm drawing a blank, but okay, (laughs) so like, how do, I'm sorry, how does nonverbal communication? Mm-hmm. play a part in our development that's a very good I'm gonna probably keep saying that because I like I like those questions so nonverbal. I was actually talking uh about this with Storm because I think that sometimes it's very tied to the culture and I'm gonna use the word two words here um with nonverbal communication there's this word phon- uh, not phonetics what is it um uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. It. I'm. I'm drawing a blank too. Um, I'm forgetting it right now. But basically, it's kind of like created through the culture. So if you have nonverbal language, it's very specific to culture. There's some things that he's done, or we've been in like 
a conversation with a group of people and I nudge him to maybe say something or not say something and he won't get why I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> or he would send me a certain signal and I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, everybody knows this means that. And I'm like, no, I don't. So I think it's definitely tied to culture. Uh, pragmatics is what I was going to use. Um, sometimes one thing can, you know, in a community, people use pragmatics and those mostly are words, but they're very specific to an action. And people outside of that group might not understand that pragmatic you know what I mean so I think nonverbal language is a very good example of this means this in this culture and this means that in that culture and unless somebody has taught you this or so, unless you've grown up in a community where it's very much practiced um, then it becomes you know it becomes a form of communication it's it's easy to understand and I feel like how you said how it differs to emotional intelligence right yeah so emotional intelligence on a different level I think it's not just tied to a culture like we're all human and we feel and we have feelings. So I think that's the difference. I would say like we all might have like a common feeling because of a certain activity that went, you know, the, that happened or, um, you know, just describing, let's say happiness. Everybody can feel happiness and react through that, like emotional intelligence or even just knowing how to hone yourself as a person. Like I feel this way and I'm going to act a certain way because I'm in this setting. But with nonverbal, like you can choose to do that and think through the same process, but only a certain people who understand what you're doing will get it. But I feel like when people are acting out of emotions, it's very, it's kind of universal. Like people can understand feelings. So do you think our emotional intelligence can transcend culture in a way? Yeah, I think it definitely can have a lot of, um, let's say a lot of, uh, uh, what is it called if, uh, uh, influence from culture it definitely has a lot of influence from culture but on a universal level we all have you know similar if not the same feelings so I would say that emotional intelligence is very much common on a, on a different level than nonverbal communication if that makes sense okay so like going back to when we were talking about nonverbal communication and like you know the nudges or like whatever cues that you're giving like like in my family mm -hmm. like my mom's side of the family in particular mm -hmm. they all have this like evil stare <laughs> like it's terrifying like yeah like it's all time like you just get like knots in your stomach when they just like look at you like oh you did something wrong oh right you pay for it later you know like mm -hmm. you might die tonight you know it's bad yeah uh, like death rays but <laughs> okay so you have those or like my mom used to do something where like she would pinch me mm -hmm. yeah and yeah then, I can and, then, and i'm like storm i i'd be like uh why'd you pinch me yeah like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> And then she gives me another. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! You know, so yeah, I think like sometimes those cues can like um, somewhat be universal in a way, right? Yes, I also believe they can be universal. Um, that that is true. I feel like it's it's actually a flexible. It, it is both flexible, but I think one can say that. <clears throat> I mean, you could look at it in a way that. But uh, it, it's it's they're both very much influenced by culture, but I feel sure. like feelings on a different level are very much like shared on a different level than like this is what we do in this culture. So it's very distinctive. Like when it comes to uh, nonverbal cues, they're very distinctive. I would say, and then emotional sure. intelligence is not as distinctive. I feel, at least from my personal experience, I feel like 
it, it varies by definitely by culture as well but I feel like nonverbal has been difficult for me at least to to deal with especially going from culture to culture right it's been, I've been actually I think I I deliberately take time to learn something like okay this means that or that means this whereas I don't do that as much with emotional intelligence or I might even get things wrong and not understand what I'm thinking you know trying to get out of a certain situation uh going off of emotional intelligence but at least with verbal with nonverbal communication it's very distinctive and easier for me to at least understand or process okay so like these are what's are some examples that are jumping in my mind right now right mm-hmm. okay so i'm just gonna throw them your way and you can tell me what you think like so like the thumbs up sign right mm-hmm. i don't think that would necessarily be universal yeah, I don't think so. Either. Right. Yeah. Or a high five. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's, you know. Universal either. Universal. Um, here, you know, like the middle finger. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe a little bit more widespread now, right? Yeah. But I, I think that has Americanized roots, right? It definitely does. And I feel like even when you do that to other people, they might not even have the same reaction as Americans because it doesn't affect them the same way because they don't have you know right. like it won't offend them maybe as much. It's not a part them. of their cultural upbringing they don't know right. they're offended by it you know, right. or mm-hmm. maybe they've seen it in a movie but it, it doesn't have any like personal significance to them right. or, have you. or like um, like you know I'll throw this out there it's whatever but like gang signs mm-hmm. I think those are very specific. Those are very distinctive, yeah. Right. So yeah. they they don't translate. They um, don't. And and I feel like now that you bring it up, I'm trying to think if there's one nonverbal cue or like sign that's universal. Like because a bunch of them I personally had no clue like what all of this stuff meant. So I'm trying to think, I'm sure there's one, but it's just it doesn't come you know easily in my mind. Like everybody it, in the world does this. Like I don't know, but yeah, it does. That was just like a funny realization I had. What about a smile? Could That's that a good be point. Considered universal, but I, I think in some places it's not. It, right, it could be considered disrespectful. It can be in certain spaces, and I also was gonna say like. That's the other thing I was gonna say when it comes to like emotional intelligence and culture, and like depending on like how it makes how it's interpreted and how people in the community feel about it, because students in like let's say for, I, I attended boarding school in Africa, there are certain actions that are just regular, like normal, but you would do and get in trouble for, you know? So sometimes it's like you do this and it means something different in this setting, or that means something different in this setting. And the feelings that come with it, it might be a sad action. And people, you know, people in, in a different setting might find it like, oh, this is not as sad or this is not as bad. So I feel like it's so difficult to kind of like, excuse me unpack that in certain communities because i think a smile in in some spaces might be like why or like for women in certain cultures like or in in my culture like you in in ugandan culture like when you're around certain elders or certain people like you can't do certain things that you might do with your friends you know what i mean like little people accused so it might you know something that was nice or something that meant to be like a nice gesture becomes something disrespectful so that's where I think culture comes in and kind of makes it a little bit hard to distinct where how people feel about a certain cue. Um, yeah, so I think a smile is a good example, but 
also people can smile meaning a whole different thing i don't know if you've seen right. those memes where they they show uh, <laughs> a certain race of people smiling in a certain way um and they're like well you, you ever got this fake smile where people are trying to greet you but really inside they're like why is this person looking at me or people right. say i'm nervous and i'm smiling because i'm nervous i'm not smiling because i'm happy or you could just have revenge on someone. Oh, revenge on someone. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's 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 just very flexible out there. It's it, but culture definitely has so much to do with it. You know, like I guess I have um, like a sort of face where people like my natural disposition were like, but like, why are you mad? You should smile. And... <laughs> exactly, and women hate that too. Like when when people tell women like, why aren't you smile or smile for me? Like you know it is just really interesting to kind of like unpack what really society does with language um, and how it changes very, very drastically. So how do you think things are kind of, well, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but like Mm -hmm. when are, when things are lost in translation, Mm -hmm. what is the recovery or educational process where you can kind of connect those missing that's a good elements. question um i think it actually depends in what setting it ha- the the miscommunication happens or the mistranslation happens so if it's via like text messaging or some some like nonverbal, like going back to nonverbal communication you're not physically there having a conversation with a person and you have that misunderstanding then i think the answer is to have that personal face-to-face kind of so then you can see the emotions behind it the um, the reasoning behind it and I guess some sort of explanation just to understand and uh, I get like you said rectify that misunderstanding but if you do have it in person <laughs> then that's that's a little bit difficult because that's to me I feel like that is the best way of communication to actually talk to people via phone or in person and be able to um, unpack what the situation is and rectify misunderstandings but if it happens in person I honestly am not sure how you you can go from that because sometimes maybe people choose not to be, you know, understanding of the other person, but because that's if you're actually refusing to understand that person, but I'm not sure how you can rectify it in person because to me that I thought would be the best solution to just talk it out, <laughs> communicate in person and understand it. Um, yeah. So you, you just said communicating in person, which I think is a big deal because I think that's when you pick up on nonverbal yeah. communication. And you're stimulating right. someone else's emotional intelligence. You're looking at the environment, right? You're, you're yeah. processing all the factors that go into um, communication, right? Right. So how does texting affect linguistics, if any way, mm-hmm. and how does it affect culture? That's a very good question. Actually, I actually took a class. Uh, it was like language technology or something like that. We talked a ton about text messaging. Uh, emoticons were huge. So they're like, why do you think emojis are such a huge thing right now? And it seems like it's new, but it's really not new if you think of hieroglyphics and how, you know, back right. in the day, people just communicated with signs or just symbols. Um, it's it's kind of like the same thing happening now. And that's what text messaging is. And I feel like with emoticons, a lot of people are losing meaning or they have their own meaning behind a certain emoji. So like, for example, my sister would text me like something that she thinks is funny and put like the dead emoji. 
But if I don't find it as funny or like funny at all and there's a dead emoji, I'm just kind of confused. I'm like, what is it? Like, why did you put that? So I feel like sometimes we would use the wrong emoticons for, you know, whatever reason. And I think that's that's a huge place for people to misunderstand what's happening or what what the conversation is even leading to if you just communicate with emojis. So I remember my mom, I don't know why she didn't look through the entire thing of um, the emojis before she would send me chocolate. She would send me like the poop emoji all the time until one time I just asked her mom, like, what do you mean by sending me this? She was like, Oh, I was talking about chocolate. And I was like, this is not chocolate. <laughs> this is not chocolate mom. And, and, and again, in, in, in Africa, or at least in Uganda, like I never, like we never had a picture of what like poop would look like. And I feel like here, like you can find like a poop emoji or whatever. Like it just literally looks like that. Like that's the symbol for it. That just want to be something that was discussed ever. Like... Yeah. Nobody ever discussed it. It's just, that's the symbol for it. And I'm like, that is not universal. So that's an example of what's not universal. So I can understand how my mom got lost in it. But when I told a lot of my friends, it was so obvious to them to like, it's literally blank. You know, why would she? <laughs> so I would say that's definitely one example of how text messaging is messing things up. And also, if you don't have, even if it's like just words and no emojis, but you don't have that um, like tone included, because tone is one of the biggest things about language. If you don't have that tone behind it, and I understand people say capital letters is screaming, but you can start, you can still have like all small letters and somebody's arguing, you know what I mean? But you don't have the tone behind it. So I think it doesn't fully, it might either fully awake certain emotions that wouldn't be available in person or the other way around. Um, right. So I think feelings can be misplaced because of texting. I've never sent like an all cap text to someone. I did it accidentally before, and <laughs> and um, I remember them saying, "Why are you screaming at me?" I'm like, "I was not screaming." And I so, just and, had the cat lock on. Yeah, head. I just had it on. Yeah, so that's hilarious. But yeah, when you do that, people call, literally will say, "Why are you screaming at me?" <laughs> I was working at Comcast, and mm-hmm. one of my coworkers actually got written up because he like sent an instant message to our manager at the time mm-hmm. in all caps <laughs> oh my god so he was like people think you're screaming at me so i have to reprimand you wow yeah that's it's it's a serious <laughs> thing it, it's crazy yeah certain people would take it seriously and he really wasn't at all he just legit had the catwalk on i yeah. think his, i think his computer actually had the caps like stuck just stuck yeah yeah I mean, he couldn't even take it off so yeah, it's it's crazy. I've received all caps messages before, but it didn't really move me out of place because first of all, I did not know that that meant screaming for a while until like I did it to somebody. <laughs> but also, it just didn't make a difference even when I learned. I'm like, okay, well, if somebody's screaming at me, then I'm going to call them. So let's talk about this. But also <laughs> like, why are you going to like scream via text when you could call me and do it? You know, so I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't. So somebody texts it to me. Doesn't it really, doesn't have that effect. It doesn't you. have that effect because I learned it later on when it already didn't really affect my feelings. So I, I would say that we give power to language a lot when we depending on how we practice it, you know. Do you think all of your knowledge on linguistics helps you be a better communicator? Oh, most definitely. I think that, but also I have this weird, I don't know if it's just me or just my personality. I, I have this tendency to think that I over communicate. <laughs> I don't okay. know if that to unpack that 
I feel do like you, I have. Do you think over communication is a an actual thing? Like, I feel like maybe even like ten years ago, I feel like that's a new phrase, a new term. Yeah, and I hadn't even looked into the term. Like, I used to just throw it around because that was one difference between me and Storm. Or certain times we would talk about how we, because he talks a lot, I talk a lot. But I feel like when it comes to communicating with each other, like, he can be like, okay, I'm going to see my friends. I'll be back at this time. Okay, okay cool, whatever. And he comes back at a certain time. I'm literally like, just just left the house. I'm going to see my friends. I, and I don't do it because he's the type of person that wants to know that. In fact, he won't even look at those messages <laughs> until I get back. But I just feel like I got to communicate that. And then I over explain things because I feel like I would want somebody to do the same for me because especially I feel like most mostly my my um, background as an immigrant has kind of forced me to feel like if I wanted to understand something, I want somebody to explain it to me a certain way so I can truly understand what it is. And so I tend to do the same. Like if somebody asks me, what does this mean? I'll explain it. You'll probably get it in the first like 30 seconds, but I'll keep going. <laughs> so I'm kind of one of those people who feels like I got to be clear, but also it's the educator in me because I feel like I want you to understand what I'm saying. Um, and also I'm very considerate of others feeling so much that I always have to frame my words a certain way depending on the person. So all those things that I practice, I feel like they make me like an over communicator because I'm constantly calculating. This is I'm going to tell this person. This is I'm going to talk to this person. But also I've had jobs where I have to talk to a bunch of different people. And sometimes about personal things like finances. So you have to approach that with understanding and compassion and just a lot of different things. So I think that has made me an over communicator. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. And I talk too much too. So that. I think you talk the perfect amount and say great things. So really? Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. I guess we're, you are usually our biggest critics, right? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think over communication is interesting because I, I get both of it where it's like you're an over communicator and then other people it's like, you're so mysterious. You're stoic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, I can't read you. Yeah. Like, it's You know, so I, I get confused. I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's a you very know. weird place to be in because I mean, when you start talking and open up and do all this, then you're like, oh, you're, you're this, you know, because I feel like you're constantly changing depending on like how much you interact with people they their perspective of you changes right uh, yeah so that that is one thing and I feel like also my experience not only working with people but I've come to learn that or like over communicating is not necessarily a bad thing but I feel like my culture shaped me that way as well because here in America like when I first moved here and people say hi how are you and they keep walking I was like why is this person? that threw you off like, yeah why? I'm like yeah. why are you asking me how I'm doing and walking off it, like that would piss me off so much. <laughs> like back home, you meet somebody, even though you're running late, because over there, concept of time is like very foreign. So it's it's like we'll be we'll be on time, we'll be fine. But I want to know how your family's doing. I want right. to know how your other cousin I met when I last saw you is doing. How are you doing? So you end up kind of like catch having, up. yeah, this short catch up, or even just like how are you? I'm good. How are you? Blah blah blah. Even if it's short, but everybody gets to respond, and it's like an even kind of exchange. And now I started, you know, kind of being like, hi, and just walking off with people. And I felt awkward for the longest, but I'm adjusting and I'm like, well, nobody wants to listen. So I'm just going to keep walking. But it's it's very weird. But yeah, I think culture also had something to do with, with me feeling that way or be, being that way. 
That's that's so interesting. Yeah, I was so annoyed. To this day, I'm still like, why you don't ask me? <laughs> Just I because was... that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah, like you're not really interested in how I'm doing if you just walk off. So I'm like, I either just don't respond, but I guess it's like some weird courtesy. But I'm like, is it really courtesy if you just? No, it's really not. It's just. Yeah, I'm like, just wave at me then. Or just hi. Yeah, and then when I used to wave, what's up? (laughs) That's another thing. Not even saying what's up because you don't really care. Yeah, you don't even care. That's what I'm saying. Like, we either just don't talk if you're really running out of time. Like, and that's the thing. Sometimes people are just rushing to literally nowhere. I'm like, why? so you asked me and you're running to nowhere but another thing i just noticed that like when i used to say hi to people and wave so waving i think was the same thing here but there's this i don't know how to even describe the motion without you seeing it but you know how you i don't know if that's how they call dogs here when you do your hands like you're kind of doing this like flexing your hands like um not flexing like calling back home it's kind of like calling somebody so you yeah so, yeah so i did that but i saw you're like somebody motioning saying, someone towards you more yeah so. kind of like that but not okay. downwards so if you do it downwards back home it's it's actually obscene like you can't do that oh. to people it kind of means like let's blah 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 like it's just like come on let's go but and is this ugandan yeah in Uganda, just, like oh. when people do that it's actually disrespectful <laughs> okay so because it's also like calling a dog like that's how they call dogs like come here come here but when you flip that around and do it like you're saying bye like hi it means come here but that's respectful like that's for humans so when people used to say hi to me I started walking towards them (laughs) and I'm like I thought you were calling me they're like no I was saying hi to you from over there (laughs) so it was kind of awkward and so you've only been here since 2010, right? Yeah. So, like, okay, so you're, we're coming up on a decade, right? Yeah, coming up on a decade, yeah. 2010 would be, 2020 would be it. Oh, my God, that is so it's wild. Crazy. And done a lot is, since you've been here. Take Yes, and it's going to blow your mind why. Because I have not been home since 2010. At all. Not even At once. All at all so yes i'm like what am i gonna have you been out of the have you been out of the u.s since no i've only been state to state yeah that's it i've had opportunities where i wanted to go especially like study abroad Mm -hmm. but i was like i've always gotten different opportunities so god always has a plan somehow so when i said no to go i ended up getting the apple job so it's just life has caught up and i just did a lot of different things but also my media family is here so it's kind of hard for me to to get motivation to go and I don't have any grandparents there anymore. So it's kind of like just hard. What are you going for? Yeah. yeah, it's hard to, you know, to plan and be like, drop everything, pay bills. It's just a lot to go. Well, yeah. You're a new mom. Yeah, right? and I'm a new mom. But I definitely want to take my son and husband to okay. see there, you know. So hopefully in two years or so, I'm planning a trip back home. So maybe I could do an update <laughs> of how, how things are when I went back after 10 years. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Can live stream that for us for sure, for sure. I'll take tons of pictures. <clears throat> okay, so kind of relates to what we touched on earlier, but it's a little bit of a twist on it. Mm-hmm. Give us your preferred social media platforms. I would say, I mean, they all depend on what I'm trying, like what my purpose is. Right, <clears throat> but I think if I'm trying to communicate to a larger community community in the way that 
I guess will be in depth because Twitter is limiting and so is Instagram. So I just kind of stick to Facebook for the most part. But um, since now we have like this latest feature where you're able to post something on Instagram and Facebook, uh, I would say uh, Instagram is the second kind of place that I post things. But I think Facebook as far as like stories. Yeah, like stories being able to be yeah posted, but even pictures, like if I post like pictures on Facebook, they would, I mean, on Instagram and link my account, they'll come to Facebook. But usually if I have like an article I want to share, it's really hard unless I take a screenshot and be like, here's a link on, you know, and even the links don't work on Instagram Yeah, as I want to. So I, I end up just using Facebook for a lot of things. And I've had, I've had to manage pages for my job, for different jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always preferred Facebook. For the most part. So I, I like Facebook. For like mass communication. Right? Yeah, mass communication and like in-depth and, you know, being able to share just more than just a picture, you know, um, articles and different videos in a way that, you know, now that you can do that on Instagram, but I think it's still easier and better on Facebook. So, yeah, that's my preferred, preferred, I would say. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've. You're a new mom, mm-hmm. and you've touched on the fact that you're married, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So what are your love languages? That is a very good question. <laughs> I think I ended up having, like, at least two overlapping, like, close, close to each other. So mine mm-hmm. is mostly quality time and words of affirmation. And Storms is acts of, I think it's something with, act like, you have to act doing something. And that was his strongest. I don't remember if he had another one. Because we had to do this for our uh, marriage counseling. Okay. And we did this with, I don't know if you know her, my mentor, Dr. Kenya Ayers from Harper College. So she's amazing. She's in the ministry. So she was able to do that for us and marry us. So she got us the love language books and everything. We went through the whole shebang and taking quizzes to to see how our compatibility was. And um, I found that, yeah, I do like to get words of affirmation. I do like acts of, um, I forget the, the word, but it's like actions that that at least affirm yeah. how I feel or whatever. I do like those, but for acts the most part. Acts of devotion or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, acts of devotion or something like that. But for the most part, I'm like, I just want you to, quality time is my thing. Like, let's watch a movie together. Let's do this together. And then words of affirmation, because even though I'm a very confident woman, I know who I am in my space. I know what I like. I, I'm very uh, confident in that, but I think that we all need, we all have moments where we need affirmation, but also encouragement. Like when you have a partner who can support you and you see that in the words that he uses, cause I'm very huge in language. So I'm like, if you're using like, Oh, you got this or don't worry about it. it it's whatever. Like kind of downplaying what I'm going through. Then I'm like, this is not it for me. But if you use the right words in a right, you know, in the right situation, then I feel even more empowered to do something. So that's like, he can never use the term fine with you. Right. Like, like that's fine. not going to yeah, cut like, it. Fine. Sure. I hate the word. Sure. So much. Sure. I hate that. not. Okay. Hate such a strong word, but like also again, cultural differences. I feel like yes and no is very clear to me. But when I hear sure, I feel like you either don't want to do something or you're not as excited to do it or it's just a whatever. I don't know. That's a very tone oriented word. It's very tone oriented. I was going to say because sometimes like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And then I'm like, are you super animated? Are you just (laughs) like sometimes I just read into it maybe too much. But when I hear sure, let's go. And I'm like, okay, I just don't think. But yes or no to me is like the best. Like, yeah, just. 
Just say that. So I always told Storm, do not use sure with me. But yeah, there's there's definitely words that I think are very much charged with tone. And sure is one of them. But yeah, so those are our love languages. And go ahead. This is our last um, kind of like communication mm-hmm. language-based question, right? Okay. We might have more. I might have lied to you, right? There, <laughs> you never know my pop-up. Yeah. If I can remember the one I forgot earlier, you know, I might throw it out there. <laughs> but um, what is the interplay between leadership and communication, in your opinion? Um, I think they definitely are imperative. And I think that you said leadership and communication. Yeah. So a good leader definitely has to be really good at communicating. Um, and I think that with with really good communication, you can have at least, well, communication will have to go hand in hand. Let's say you have a team that you work with and you constantly, as a leader, communicate. Um, and I personally, I'm the type of leader that I like to get ideas from everybody because we all learn from each other. And I don't feel like anybody's above anybody just because of a title. I believe that you... You play off each other's strengths and capitalize on that to be successful as a team. So I think we, when you communicate that with your team, like, hey, these are your strengths. Like, you can really do great in this area. Or if you don't feel comfortable, then let's talk about it. Where do you feel most comfortable doing this? And I think that a great communicator is a great leader. But if you're bad at communicating, it's kind of hard to hold a team together. And you also have to understand your team, especially not just it's it's a different thing I've done at work before. It's not really love languages, but understanding people's um, characteristics or colors. We did this thing called real colors, and you understand how people best operate as a leader, and that's what you kind of capitalize on to be successful. Um, so I think communication is a huge um, <coughs> excuse me is a huge asset for a, a a good leader to have. Like from what I've kind of heard from you. And um, it kind of relates to, like, I feel like we have a similar leadership styles. Mm-hmm. Who, like, you're trying to figure out what's best, how to best communicate with each individual person. It's not like you're going to have one set style. One set way. For yeah. everyone. It's, it's all about making adjustments. It's flexible. Yeah, I would right. say, like, leadership is flexible. It's not one way or the highway. Um, and that's how a lot of things fail or a lot of people don't want to be a part of a team or they're not happy to be a part of a team because they're maybe they're not being they're not being you know uh, uh, understood or their skill that they are very good at is not being utilized and they're doing something that they either dread so they're dreading their work they're dreading their performance and everything and in all honesty when we sit down and try to capitalize on what you do best and, and everybody's putting their best on the table um, then I think then it's successful so like you know, sometimes I've had the experience where it's like the best way to communicate with someone was by like yelling at them. That's what they needed from me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's someone that you can never, ever yell at no matter what the circumstance. Right. Right. Like um, and then there's some people that need you to say certain phrases to them at the right time. Mm hmm right like so just finding out whatever that is whatever yeah whatever that is and I think you get to know it by having relationships like it doesn't have to be personal but just having some sort of relationship with your uh, team and that to even transfer that in relationships like I'm like you said there are some people you can't scream at like if Storm ever screamed at me if he raises his voice I'm like what is happening I don't know who you're talking to and it's like (laughs) 
I, I don't function because if I somebody screams at me, my first response is to, especially like that close to me, like a family member or somebody I love is to kind of shut down. Because like, if you don't have nice, nothing nice to say, don't say it. That's how my mom taught because me. Because I grew up that way. Words of affirmation, right? Yes, because that like kind of just sparks my like negative, you know, mindset. And I'm like, I'm the type of person like I'm angry, but I, I talk about things. I'm like, I'm angry. And my reaction when I'm angry is either to cry and talk about things, but I don't like I, I barely scream like it had to it would have to take everything out of me to scream. So there's never yelling in our household ever because nobody responds to that. Or if we do, it's going to be a match like you think you can be louder than me and that right. doesn't work out, you know. So I think definitely understanding the person and being accommodating as a leader. So it's like no one wins when the family feuds, right? Yeah, definitely. But okay, so this is I remember the question I had for me for you from earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Are you familiar at all with North Sentinel Island? North Sentinel Island. Mm-mm. Okay, it's this uninhabited island in like the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. And these people have never been um, invaded. Uh, they've never been colonized. Like, they're very isolated. They're probably, like, one of the only groups of isolated people mm-hmm. in existence now who've never just, you know. Nobody uh, came into their space. Space, yeah. They've mm-hmm. just been doing their own thing. Because, like, actually somebody, like, I think this was last year, uh, like, this guy who said he was, like, a missionary Mm-hmm. I've heard different stories of it, so I'm just going to give you the one I remember and kind of believe the most, that he was a, supposedly a missionary. Um, he might have been doing some other stuff. Oh, um, I think I so think heard don't... about that. Go ahead. Okay. And mm-hmm. they killed him on sight. He tried to come up there. Mm-hmm. I think they threw a spear at him, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they had to, like, recover this guy's body, and but, like, they don't allow people to come on their island. Mm-hmm. but yet there's still you get like maybe like one or two people who then I guess decide to go to like India mm-hmm. and they'll kind of like share some information mm-hmm. about it but like these people are untouched so how do you start the process of translating from that standpoint uh, like translating from their community <laughs> from their community like what's the linguistic process for a, an isolated people like that an isolated community well that is that is a good question i think especially since they've never like nobody's ever been there that is like like the i think marco polo maybe went there yeah it's a really interesting history like um i'll send you some links about it and stuff but it's like there's very little information on these people right i was gonna say like it would have to start with like whatever information they have like some sort of like let's say even their writing system or anything that they have as the clue to like what their language is like would have to be whatever whoever finds it like let's say a researcher finds it they would have to find anything similar to it outside like outside of that place to even start getting like a lead and then you can start unpacking from there because we've noticed like even over like over time we've noticed if languages have this similar pattern it means either these people came in contact or this is a language family that's related to this language family 
And I think that would be one way to start it, to find what else out there looks like this. And I think I would hope they're successful because if they're not, then it's really hard because that's when that's how inaccuracies happen when you try to unpack something that's never been unpacked or even it's original and that's in its original state. So I would say that's the actual, like, I guess the initial data that you need and you don't have anything to compare to it because it's never been um, contaminated by anything else. And contaminated is probably not the right word, but I, I just wanted to say because that would be pure data that has never been tapped into. And I think the information that they have now is mostly like speculative. Like right, to be honest right. with you, from like the scarce, the way it's so scarce and it's so like it sounds like someone is just talking about something that they don't know about. It doesn't really sound like right, right. They really have a handle on it because people are shook to go up there. Like, like no, like even the people that like the ancient explorers that wrote about it, they're like, oh, those people up there don't play. Right, and uh, which I can highly commend them. That's great yeah. of their land, but at at the same time, you know, I would be very, uh, I'd be very, very iffy about any researcher who tra- who su- quote unquote successfully translated what they said because from you know the the information that I have, the limited information, there's literally <laughs> like no way I can even start to unpack what type of experience or what type of language they have unless they have you know found that information elsewhere then you'd be like how did this happen and then maybe yeah. we have anthropologists and linguists and you and it would definitely would have to be collaborative work because nobody in one field is going to figure that out so you would yeah. definitely need Amara on the table yeah <laughs> you need people like Amara on the table anthropologists linguists scientists everybody to kind of just figure out how all these pieces come together that's probably my best answer for that yeah, I'm definitely going to send you some links about it because I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've actually, now that you say, yeah, I've, I've heard about it and I've seen the article and read about it and I remember the controversial discussions that people had. It was crazy. When that but, guy was killed, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they're like, no, we, we won't be colonized. So I, yeah. I, I feel them on that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that was kind of, you know, I'm glad I remembered that. <laughs> but um, what, like, what inspired you and your interest in tech? In tech? Yeah. That's a very good question. So I definitely was looking for, as as all millennials, I would hope, everybody's looking for a field that is going to be both interesting to you, something that you like, you love to do, but also something that you would like to, of course, make money off of and support family and everything. And when we look at fields that are doing really good, I think technology is the future. I mean, it's already doing a lot of magnificent things and also a lot of bad things, um, which is important to mention. But I think what inspired me the most is the combination with education, because I think we're constantly learning as people, like even in the most in, you know, informal ways. So I thought to myself, this is one barrier that I had back home. I wasn't able to be at my computer. I wasn't typing as fast or as well as my counterparts in school. So I always felt like there was a need to improve myself. There was a need to do better at something. So I'm always pushing myself to learn something new, to understand something new. And technology is just that, you know, and you can be flexible with it in a, in a wide range of fields. Um, so I was 
I was very much interested because in my research with language actually concentrates on African immigrants and how they transition in, in the Americas uh, when they move. So in the U.S., not the Americas. So when they move to the U.S. and how they transition. So and I think technology is one of those things we use it so differently back home and we use it differently here. So <clears throat> I wanted to go into that because of education, but also to kind of see how we can use technology back home to advance ourselves um, and and that's one of my biggest goals to kind of concentrate on those immigrant communities and see how we can use technology to advance our communities. Um, yeah, because otherwise I don't, I don't, and it's like a tool. It's a tool to definitely either improve and I would hope not destroy. Um, but I, I just thought of it as a tool to advance uh, my community and others. Okay, so you just touched on a lot of good information. I'm going to take one way. You might come back and go the other way as well, but mm-hmm. like describe the differences in culture between like the Afri- African immigrant experience versus the quote unquote African American experience. Wow. Yeah. So the, the main thing I would say, especially for a person like me, I'm currently a, a, a green card holder or a permanent resident. So my experience is what I'll speak on specifically, be it, and, and hopefully people in my position share those experiences or a little bit slightly different. Uh, the one thing is, even though I feel like I, I know for sure that African-Americans were able to vote like way later after like, you know, everybody else could vote, well, at least, you know, every it's crazy history that works up my spirit (laughs) i don't want to get into so much of it but a person like me it's like we pay taxes and we can't vote so we're kind of put in the same position like felons or other people who aren't allowed to vote and you're you're, disenfranchised yes but as a green card holder you have access to getting a job working and paying taxes just like anybody else but you don't have a say in your leadership and you can't vote for anything so that experience kind of like really cripples the voice of that community and the things that they would like to be done in their community if they can't voice it then they don't have a way to get you know um, any improvements so there's that one part and also I think coming into the U.S. and we it's this is not more so a similarity and not a difference Um, so for some African Americans and some Africans that have this this false information about each other and there's always this constant fighting like oh y'all think you're better than us or y'all think you got you know this going on for y'all and we don't and things like that that are kind of actually triggered by the wrong messages that are being taught to but to Africans and also taught to African Americans of what Africa is and what African Americans are and all this is spread with through hate or other agendas that I think that makes such a huge difference when we don't understand each other and all we have is that limited information. Absolutely. Sorry to cut you off, but that's facts. Yes, yeah, definitely. So I think part of it is misunderstanding each other because we're not that different, honestly, but we do have different cultures that we do have to respect and understand that they're distinct. Um, So I think the the biggest difference is, is, is definitely sitting at the table and understanding, okay, yeah, we both have we, we both have lineage from Africa, but when Africans are, you know, in, in privileged, I would say to have their own languages that they can speak, their own things that they can speak, and African Americans can't. And sometimes when, let's say this is a negative example, let's uh, you have a group of African Americans saying, "Oh, what are you speaking? Well, your your accent sounds funny. Like you shouldn't be sounding like that." Or blah blah blah. And then you have on the other on the other side Africans trying to 
going through like a transition and trying to merge and be like African Americans or be, you know, cause we're the closest thing that of what we are. And we, so they try to be African Americans, but they try to do everything that's stereotypical. So they'll try to sag their pants. They will try to say the N word at the wrong time, or just say the N word anywhere, anytime. And, not understanding rules around it or, you know, things around it. So I think there's a lot of mis- miscommunication and miseducation on both ends that needs to be addressed. And those differences, I would say, are kind of shape the experience, basically, of who you are as a Black person in relation to an African and vice versa. It's the information and the education that's missing. But as a, as a people, I feel like we couldn't be <laughs> any, more, uh, any more similar, you know, as far as how we operate as people but you know cultures of course differ and the background of how we got here differs definitely um before i go to my next question like when you were kind of describing that last example akon popped in my head for some reason Mm -hmm. but i like akon but like for some reason i'm I'm just thinking like oh like maybe that was an experience akon had when he was getting into Mm hip-hop you know and yeah, yeah, I would say I would say that a lot of people do have those experiences, even like celebrities who would tweet something random like, oh, you Africans, this and that, oh, are you black people, this and that. And I feel like they're they're so miseducated, but social media can literally take things the, you know, either side, they can take it and run with it, or they can rip it apart, you know. So I think we definitely have to be very careful with the language that we use around that because a lot of or even how certain influencers like Akon like what is their experience like and how were they able to influence people around them or what type of messages were they given to people around them, you know, because that's such a, he's a, he's an icon and he's very huge, but you know, as a person who's still, he was, I think he's always been very open about his identity and where he comes from. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people like that will sometimes people that, you know, those might be the only Africans people know or the only people that they have access to. So people might just be like oh well maybe his experience is just like all the other africans experiences you know what i mean but yeah i like him he's such a he's he's done a lot of great things now but i'm not sure like before i had moved here i'm not sure how his life was like or how like he portrayed himself as 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 an american but also as an african person because like when you hear him speak like you can definitely hear the accent i don't always hear as much when he's singing but like yeah, but same. like early on, like, um, I didn't notice it until like I read like an article about him. Oh yeah. So I think he was pretty open about it, um, throughout his career. Um, yeah. Just to kind of use him as an example, but I think like the dichotomy between like Africans versus African Americans was mm-hmm. like really um well like portrayed in the film Black Panther yeah yeah I think Black Panther did a good job of doing that of course there are people who don't think that so and I had to have a conversation with Storm about it because he felt some type of way he liked the movie and um once we had a panel he did actually have a panel on my campus to kind of talk about it there was a lot of people who had you know a lot of very good constructive uh criticism let me call it yeah Um, they're like you know well as an African I feel this way like yeah they made all the women do this or they made all the the men do this so like people found problems with just some things that you would like you know so everything but I would say that 
he did it did a good job of like showing just who we are as a people united um so i really appreciated that you know um i thought it like kind of broke down like some of the like cultural resentment i guess between and why maybe the concept of like Mm pan-africanism um maybe some of the disconnects that we have with it right yeah yeah we do have a a a huge problem and i think both on on both ends like as africans and african americans we also have this issue of self-hate and not understanding like what we truly possess um and that's one thing that i hope that my kids can understand and also like people around me can see for themselves and also just understand hopefully in their lifetime but a lot of our greatness is the reason as to why we've been treated the way we are in order to not be great. So I think I wish people would think of it that way. Like we're already great. <laughs> we don't need to hate ourselves or each other. Yeah. Uh, so. Where yeah. My, my thing with it all is like, I have just kind of like the thought process of like, we might all have different, you know, stories and, lineages and backgrounds and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. but like at the end of the day um you know i'm black you're black like you know i'm sure we can have we can find some commonality right right Right. and we have to like focus on the commonality rather than the distinctions and the differences um and I, i think it comes down to like each side kind of like checking the people who are being disruptive with right. that approach right like right so like when if you're African and you hear someone you know some of your friends saying something negative about African Americans you should check that behavior I do and, check in exactly like yeah I, and I we need to do that. the same you know like right. you know when you're cracking jokes on someone like oh yeah that's uh, a you know yeah that's not cool like yeah. nah bro don't do that I agree do something right. else you know but that's not what we're going to go with you know because right. it, it creates that that divide and, and yeah. affirms affirms the negative feelings we already have yeah yeah and it's like no that's that's that, let's come together on a collective like and go about it that way um, right so because i i think you know i have i've had experiences where i've been mistaken for african um I've had experiences where someone thought, um, oh, you're not African and their feelings about me changed. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh, you're, you're like, you're one of them sort of thing. Yeah. I'm like, wait, hold up. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. And it's so sad, but it's, I see it very, very much all the time. So it's, it's definitely, we have a lot of work to do period. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen it both ways. So mm-hmm. um, a couple more questions. What made you go all in on financial literacy? Great question. Actually, that is such a simple answer. Um, I went into that. It was actually a job opportunity I saw. And and what drove me to it was I was going to do a lot of, like, moderation on, like, online teaching and be able to, like, construct classes online and be able to build curriculums through that because I had no background in financial education at all. But I was going to be trained and it was a graduate assistant position. I was graduating, I think, right out of senior year and I was looking for a job and I was kind of afraid. I'm like, oh, my God, this looks like a lot, but I don't want to I didn't want to go straight into being a T.A. 
but I wanted to do like this job where I could still teach people and coach people about money, but in like a, a office setting where it's like a one-on-one thing instead of a classroom. But the online classrooms were just like available to everybody. So I applied to this job and it's, it, it's about financial education and we had all the materials and content that we needed. So I went through lots of and what inspired me to actually apply for the job relating to money was because we were engaged at the time and we were planning to like move in together. We're planning to like, we're thinking about different business ideas. We're thinking about building our credit. And like, I don't even know where to start because the money system back home is so different from here. And I'm like, this is such a good opportunity for me to like do what I love being an educator, but also educate myself on like the financial system and how it works. So I can put myself and my family in a position to succeed financially. So that's what inspired me to actually go to the job. It was just a personal, uh, like for the money, it was personal to learn about the money system, but the education part was also me getting that experience. So I can um, at least improve my credentials. So you have an event with that coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, when is that again? So the event is on August 31st at 2.30 uh, in Chica- uh, downtown Chicago. And that is actually through a different thing. So I actually left this job this semester uh, because I'm planning to stay home more with Stony. But uh, Storm and I have our organization, the Afro Language and Cultural Exchange, that we are offering the same services with my knowledge and doing Storm is very, very much smart in that area, too. And he's um, been doing a lot of research. So we're like, we might as well add that onto our services and do that for people. So that's how we ended up getting that um, uh, 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 opportunity. Can you tell us more about that organization? That you yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Afro Language and Culture Exchange, quote unquote, we call it LC to make it short. LC um, is basically about merging that gap, bridging that gap. We talked about African and African-American, you know, basically what we just had as a conversation. But I was really sparked by this because on my campus, I was looking around to see something similar that's like bridging the gap. And everything was either like the sororities were very specific or there was like an African club or there was a BSU. And it's not like people were excluded from going in there, but the organization wasn't a foundation of putting together diasporic identities and, and also leaning like deeply into language um so i was talking i was helping people work on applying for fulbright hey so they can study outside of the country and learn different cultures we were doing services where you could prep people we we still do offer these services you can help people who are going to for example if somebody's going to any part of east africa where they speak swahili and they need to like brush up on their swahili we can have a meeting at a coffee shop and we can do that together and i'm like this is what that means or these are the common words this is how you can get around um, so I, I do that. We've done translation work. So we had students who are going to do research in another country and they had to get like consent forms in that other language and were able to provide that. So it's basically like Af- like diasporic identities coming together and understanding each other and also Africans being a part of the um, the group that does that exchange of like, oh, this language I want to learn, or I want to know this about that, or I used to speak this language back home, but since I've moved here, I haven't talked to anybody in this language. Now you have a space to practice that without judgment. Um, And that's pretty much what it's about, but we offer a lot of different services. Um, As long as it's about culture and language, we do it all. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Um, Yeah, I think we're okay. Okay, perfect. I love that. Um, I definitely want to come out and support that event. 
Awesome. Um, where can we get tickets for that? So it was through the Uganda National, no, Uganda North American Association. And basically they have an annual convention every year. It's like a, a whole weekend. So a lot of people get like a, a pass for the entire weekend. And I'm still trying to find out how they can get for specific events because a lot of people just want to come to like that one session. Yeah. And funny enough, it's happening during like a lunch. So it's not like a, 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 a separate, you know, like in a separate area. So it's very hard to kind of figure out what, they're going to be doing, but I'm in the process of finding out and I can send you information as soon as I do. Cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to that though. Awesome. So, okay. Last two questions. Mm-hmm. I kind of promise, but whatever. <laughs> um, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? I would say, I would say so. Yeah. But like not in the formal, formal way, because I still have yet to learn what that entails. But yeah, I think I, I would consider myself one, both Storm and I. I mean, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I don't think there's like a specific way. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, understand I, I, that. I think I... to Go me, ahead. the simplest definition is are you willing to create something from nothing and yep, see I it do through? That all the time. Yes. Yes. I would say that we are um, because we've literally built that Elsie from scratch and we've been trying to, you know, do a lot of reach out to kind of like make it like a bigger thing. And right now it was registered as a, as an organization at the U of I, but I actually want to register it as an LLC and, and just not, and make it like an open an open organization to the world and not just, you know, students here. Right. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, we definitely are. And then give us your definition of empowerment. Wow. Wow. I don't even know how to start unpacking that word. You have a new word where you don't know where to start from. To, like, unpack. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those. I would say like, well, if anyone does, from, you like, do, Kendra giving strength through like <clears throat> it could be through act words or even through just like su- like support in like whatever way that whoever is supporting or even yourself needs it's like empowering this is like the stone that you need to step on this is what you need this is the foundation that you need this is what's going to make you successful and empowering is strengthening something i be- at least that's how i translate it to myself so um empowering is just adding fuel to the fire and like making things happen and making sure that if I'm going to empower somebody, I'm going to give them the strength. I'm going to give them what they need in order to be successful in order to be their best self, like what they want to be or what I want to be. If I'm going to empower myself, what am I going to do? Like be positive to myself, self-love, give myself the tools or look for the tools to make myself successful. So I think empowerment is strengthening whatever, um, whatever is at the table. That's like one of the best responses I've had to that question. Hmm? That's definitely one of the best responses I've had to that question. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. When we do like the mashups of like best responses, that's probably going to be the number one highlight. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I've asked you a lot of questions tonight. So here's your turn. Do you have any questions for me? Um. The one question I did have for you before we go is what inspired you? I know you talked about, you know, you wanted this podcast to be for our generation. And I really, really like what you're doing with it. 
So like, is there any other purpose? Is there like a journey? Like, where do you see this in the future? What is your inspiration right now? And like, what is it inspiring you to do? And, and where do you want to get in the next couple of years? Okay, so like, um, I ended up starting a business, Duality Unlimited. I like dropped out of Harper, started Duality, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been like a wild roller coaster of a ride, like my entrepreneurial journey. So many highs, so many lows, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do want to do is try to offer to make someone's path easier than mine has been. For sure. Um, so you know the good points that I have that you know where I was a hundred percent right about that and also talk about the things that I was a hundred percent wrong about Mm -hmm. and um you know continue to grow from it like I actually hope to I would probably say in like five years or so Mm -hmm. um I hope to I don't mm, yeah I mean I I feel like I could still do the podcast for five years, but um, I actually want to transition it to mm-hmm. that next wave of entrepreneurs. For sure. Because um, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of times in the entrepreneurial space, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times um, entrepreneurial self-help books, business books, all of that they don't factor in race at all. Right. And racism exists. It is a complex sociological construct, right? Mm-hmm. And it is multifaceted in so many layers of human activity. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, and, and you have to take that into account. Now, you know, a lot of times when you hear motivational people say this um they're like oh that's just an excuse you can't have a victim mentality Mm -hmm. and I want to get away from that I want to say hey you may have a harder road but you can still push through but that but we're not going to pretend that you didn't have a harder road right and I I don't want someone to feel like they're a victim because they're saying something happened to them Mm -hmm. no like yeah, you did stab me in the stomach, but I, you know, kind of figured it out. I p- pulled myself together and... And I survived through it. And I survived it and I fought back and mm-hmm. here I stand. Right. You know, all And that that's empowering. True. Yeah. Because I believe entrepreneurship um, is the most effective pathway um to empowerment yes and i, I think agree. i think you kind of have um a more balanced uh viewpoint mm-hmm. where it could be like education and entrepreneurship yeah would you say mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> so um you know i feel like i have some answers but i don't have all the answers so i need to talk to other entrepreneurs i need to talk to other people who are leaders and who Mm -hmm. believe in empowerment and 
want to share information because some people don't want to share information. They'll lie yeah, and say they I do, agree. but they'll regurgitate some like nothingness. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't had a bad um, guest yet, so far, mm-hmm. but if that were to ever happen, like if I'm really listening to it, like you're not saying anything. Right. Like I just want to put the episode out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd probably wrap it up pretty quickly, like because that that's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this podcast actually correlates to a book trilogy that I'm writing, mm-hmm. and I hope to actually have the book done by October. Wow. Um, so Trap Life Volume One, um, and then I actually want to do a. Um, like a conference Mm -hmm. like where I have different guests from the podcast come we all come together do panels we have breakout sessions Mm -hmm. do interactive um, activities and stuff like that so like a little leadership conference you know wow that sounds amazing I look forward to it I feel like you have a lot of good plans that I I mean I haven't heard I don't have a lot of people that I've talked to who are doing something similar. So I'm very fascinated and I really look forward to watching your journey. Definitely. Well, I want to continue watching your journey, Thank uh, you. the journey of your family, you two, you and storm power couple, you know, so, <laughs> um, you know, love to have you back on the show. Love to have him on the show. Yeah. And, um, I just thank you so much for coming. We definitely want you at that convention though, when it happens though. For sure. I'll let you know. And thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Um going to go have some dinner and get back to the family. Absolutely. Well, good night. Awesome. And we wish you peace and prosperity on your journey from the Trap Life podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hello, can you hear me? Hey, everyone. My name is Amr Nasser. And today I'll be sharing my story and my insights on the Trap Life podcast. Feel free to follow my work at Abrahamic Center to keep up with projects and events I'm working on. Everyone asks themselves, who am I? What is my purpose? What value do I add to the world and those around me? The answer to these questions can often change over time, but I hope my insights can help you feel empowered about where you are right now and remember that life is an ongoing process. You have the power to change your mindset even in limited circumstances. You can go against the grain. Your likes and interests can be strange. I hope I can make you see the beauty in all of that. Stay updated by checking out new episodes of the most eclectic podcast in the world on Wednesdays and Sundays, streaming on all podcast platforms. Hey, this is Jalen Little, and here's my story I'm sharing on the Trep Life podcast. Let's stay connected. Follow me on social media. I'm at Observe, spelled O-B-S-3-R-V-E on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I hope my experiences inspire you and remember dreams over doubt, focus over frustration. Sending you good vibes, peace and purpose on your journey. I am an artist, I am a musician, I am an entrepreneur, and I am a leader. Stay updated by checking out new episodes of the most eclectic podcast in the world on Wednesdays and Sundays.